What's Queensland's new power plan? And how many kilometers of new oil pipelines is being developed around the world? Welcome to the Climate Recap from the Beckersphere Climate Corner, your go-to place for international and U.S.-based climate news. I'm Becky Hoke, a climate communicator. Today is Friday, September 30th. Let's jump right into today's news. Let's start with some extreme weather events. Hurricane Ian has been downgraded from practically a Category 5 into a tropical storm as it moved across Florida yesterday and today, but it could re-intensify into a hurricane as it hits South Carolina. This quick intensification scientists saw with Ian shows signs of climate change. I talked about how sea level rise and unusually warm water in the Caribbean contributes to the intensity of this storm. But another factor I want to mention is atmospheric moisture. Research shows us that climate change is increasing how much moisture is in the atmosphere by increasing the general air temperature, which can then help add fuel to these hurricanes. The Caribbean wasn't the only water body to have above average temperatures too. The Gulf of Mexico is also so unusually warm right now, which helped bring Ian from a Category 3 to almost a Category 5 right before it made landfall. Hurricanes and tropical storms usually weaken as they enter the Gulf because of the colder water or stronger jet streams, but that seems to no longer be a shield for the area. Hurricanes Laura, Ida, and Michael in recent years also got a boost from the Gulf. Typhoon Noru, which hit the Philippines and Vietnam over the past few days, also shows signs of climate change-induced intensification. It showed one of the fastest rates of intensification on record anywhere, which gave Luzon Islanders no time to prepare for a Category 5 storm. Now let's talk about Hurricane Fiona again, which ravaged the Caribbean before finishing its path of destruction in Atlantic Canada. Well, despite U.S. President Biden's promise to have the federal government pay for 100% of the recovery efforts for the next month for Puerto Rico, an antiquated bill called the Jones Act is blocking Puerto Rico from looking for the cheapest supply options and even accessing a boat of supplies off its coast right now. The act states that Puerto Rico can only accept items off ships mostly made in America with an American crew. The ship in port is from a private company. The Puerto Rico government is asking Biden to temporarily waive this restriction so the island can access more supplies and fuel, but U.S. labor unions support the act, and Biden's a huge labor union supporter. Biden has yet to signal an official decision on this matter. Meanwhile, Barbados became the first country to receive loan money from the International Monetary Fund's new resilience and sustainability fund to rebuild after Hurricane Fiona. The island nation will receive almost $300 million or 270 million pounds. Okay, let's look at some climate studies. Almost half of the world's bird species, 49%, are seeing their populations decline due to human activity and climate change, according to the State of the World's Birds Report by BirdLife International. This is the grimmest definitive report yet on this topic. In addition to man-made climate change, bird species are also being threatened by logging, invasive species, and the exploitation of natural resources. One in eight bird species is at risk of extinction, and 187 bird species are suspected or confirmed to have gone extinct since the year 1500. This stuff makes me so sad, so that's all I'm going to say on this matter. If you want to learn more, there will be a link to the story in the source list below. Hydrogen is not a viable substitute for gas to heat your homes. 
That's according to a new analysis by the Regulatory Assistance Project, which reviewed 32 peer-reviewed studies on hydrogen to find that heating with hydrogen is less efficient and more expensive compared with heat pumps. In fact, it could be twice as expensive to switch from gas heating to hydrogen. Yet gas companies actually advertise their gas boilers as hydrogen compatible as a way to make consumers think that they can clean up their heaters that way. This is blatant greenwashing. Don't fall for it. Definitely get a heat pump instead if you are on the market for a new unit. Time for some climate victories. Queensland, Australia released its $40 billion clean energy plan in which it aims to convert its coal-fired power plants into clean energy hubs by 2035. This is a big deal as Queensland is Australia's most polluting state. Additionally, this plan increases Queensland's clean energy goals to source 70% of its energy from renewable sources by 2032 to reach 80% by 2035, which is up from its previous target of 50% by 2030. Half of this clean energy will come from hydropower via a dam construction project in Pioneer Valley. The dam will also become a pumped hydro energy storage facility. It'll be interesting to see how this dam will impact the local environment, admittedly, because drowning vegetation and losing biodiversity could result in that hydropower source releasing methane and carbon into the atmosphere, albeit nowhere near as much as if they had just continued to burn coal. The plan also includes building a new super grid to connect solar, wind, battery storage, and hydrogen generation across the state, which equate to 22 gigawatts of clean power capacity. That's eight times more renewable power capacity than is currently on the grid. Queensland also plans to keep its eight coal-fired power plants, which aren't slated to close until the 2040s, as backup energy generators until the pumped hydro energy storage is operational. This power plant came after the state announced it would build Australia's largest publicly owned onshore wind farm, which we talked about on Tuesday, and after three South Korean groups announced plans to build an ammonia export hub in the state by 2032. The groups hope that green ammonia, which is the liquid form of clean energy produced hydrogen, can be used to replace coal-fired energy generation. It is safer to ship long distance compared to gas hydrogen. Queensland's new power plan puts it in line with Australia's climate goals now. Meanwhile, Australia's Victoria State announced they would close its Loyang A coal-fired power station 10 years early. That facility is the most polluting one in the country, so this also is a big deal. It is now slated to close in 2035, which is frankly still too long, but it's better than 2045. The state didn't say anything else about like the other coal plants, which also are slated to not close until the 2040s. Let's move over to the Middle East now. The World Bank just approved $512.2 million or 462 million pounds to help Turkey expand its housing and infrastructure in a climate resilient way. In other words, the money will go towards loans Turkish people can access to retrofit existing homes or build new homes that can better withstand earthquakes and climate related events like heat waves and flooding. It's estimated that about 1 million people will benefit from this loan program. Unfortunately, we've got to talk about some climate fails here. Before I get into this list, I think I'm going to start saying, like in the beginning of this climate fail section, just don't get despondent. 
get mad. I feel like that's a good reminder for all of us. Anyways, the Global Energy Monitor recently reported a concerning trend in the way of oil pipeline expansion projects. More than 24,000 kilometers of new oil pipelines are currently being planned or under development around the world, mainly in the US, India, China, Russia, and Tanzania in that order from most to least. That's enough pipelines to wrap around the globe twice. If these projects were completed, the oil pumped through these pipes would emit 5 billion tons of CO2 a year, which is equivalent to the US's annual emissions. About 40% of these pipelines are already under construction, which is completely at odds with the world's need to reduce emissions by half in the next eight years. What are we doing? If climate action prevents these pipelines from being used to their full potential, developers of these pipelines could lose up to $75 billion or 70 billion pounds. Moving from oil to coal, China approved between $26 billion and $33 billion in coal-based capacity in the first half of this year, despite seeing a drop in demand thanks to an increase in clean energy. That seems backwards, doesn't it? Well, that's because the country's energy grid hasn't been updated to take up all of this clean energy it's built, keeping the country reliant on coal energy. This ugly cycle threatens to kill China's decarbonization timeline, according to the Center for Research and Energy and Clean Air and Global Energy Monitor. And then I want to touch on the Nord Stream leaks again, which climate scientists are now calling potentially the most damaging methane leaks in history. Germany now estimates that about 300,000 metric tons of methane have escaped from these two pipelines under the Baltic Sea. Methane, again, is 84 times a more potent greenhouse gas than CO2 for the first 20 years they're in the atmosphere. What leaked could be enough methane to have roughly the same climate impact over a 20-year period as the annual emissions of about 5.48 million U.S. cars. Talk about a climate setback. Now let's dip our toes into the ugly world of finances, shall we? Some of the world's biggest central banks like the Bank of England, the US Federal Reserve, and the European Central Bank have bought millions of dollars in bonds issued by companies linked to deforestation and land grabbing in places like the Brazilian Amazon rainforest. This is according to a new report by Global Witness. Most of these companies engaging in deforestation are big agriculture. That basically means our taxpayer money is contributing to this environmental disaster. The banks buy these bonds to inject liquidity into the financial markets when the private sector is unwilling to lend money. Some of the companies linked to deforestation include Cargill, ADM, and Bunge LTD Financial Corp. These are actually the three biggest agribusiness companies operating in Brazil. Cargill and Bunge have responded to these claims by saying that they're working to decrease their environmental impact. ADM didn't respond to these comments. The Federal Reserve and Bank of England are both working to wind down their bond purchasing, while the European Central Bank said that they're working to decarbonize their portfolio. But Global Witness still said they were disappointed to see all of these banks still refusing to publish the values of their holdings to companies, which shows a continued lack of transparency. I want to end today's episode with one more climate victory. 
Burbank University of London became the first university to ban fossil fuel recruiters from recruiting students through career services. This move was backed by the student-led group People and Planet, which is active in a dozen UK universities. It was also backed by the National Union of Students and the Universities and College Union, which represents academics and support staff. Burbank also banned fossil fuel companies from engaging in any sponsorship or advertising. Hopefully other universities will follow suit. Finally, I want to give y'all a heads up that I will start streaming on Twitch on Fridays as well as Mondays. Both start at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. While I will continue to talk about the news on Mondays, Fridays I want to dive into particular topics that I find interesting. This first topic will be about the effort the U.S. Republicans are putting into blocking the financial market from using ESGs to decarbonize. And that was your climate recap for Friday, September 30th. If you like the work I do, please follow this podcast, give it a five-star rating, leave a review, and consider checking out the Beckosphere Climate Corner YouTube channel. Remember to talk about the climate crisis every single day and to support your local news organizations. Bye for now.